This episode of School PR Drive Time is brought to you by Final Sight. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA. I'm Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the Director of Communications for Buncombe County Schools. In today's episode, we're exploring how school communicators can play a positive role in shining a light on diversity and inclusion best practices in our school systems. Joining us for this conversation are two members of the Minnesota School Public Relations Association, or MINSPRA board, who've tackled this challenge head on with the creation of Good Trouble PR. Dirk Tedman, Executive Director of Marketing and Communications for Eden Prairie Schools, and Toya Stewart-Downey, Executive Director of Strategic Communications, Equity, and Inclusion from Robbinsdale Area Schools, will unpack this complicated topic and provide school PR practitioners with practical information to help them be a part of this movement for justice. We've got a lot to share today. Let's start the show. Hello, Dirk and Toya, and welcome to School PR Drive Time. I'm so excited for this conversation, but first, I would like for you both to tell me a little bit about your professional background, and Dirk, we'll start with you. Thanks so much, Stasia, and I'm excited to be here. Um, Regular listener, big fan, uh, but I am the Executive Director of Marketing and Communications in Eden Prairie Schools. In this role, I oversee our marketing and communications efforts, as well as our enrollment and outreach efforts, our school registration team, as well as our work to build partnerships uh, internally and externally in the district and our alumni relations. I started my work in school PR actually with Minneapolis Public Schools, and before that, I worked for the government doing marketing and communications work as well. I am I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you for the invitation to share some of the work that we're doing in Minnesota with you and your audience. So I am the Executive Director of Strategic Communications, Equity and Inclusion for Robbinsdale Area Schools. I've been with the district just under three years, but prior to that, I worked um, for St. Paul Public Schools. And before that, I was a newspaper reporter. So I made the jump from journalism into school PR after covering um, schools in Texas, including the Dallas Independent School District. And then I've also... um, Throughout my career, I've done lots of work related to diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. So the work that I'm currently doing now is a natural extension of what I've been doing for a long time. Great. Thank you both for that. So let's jump into it. So a little bit of backstory. I met Dirk at an NSPRA leadership event, and he did share briefly. We were in a breakout group, and he shared with us a little bit about his experience in helping to spearhead Good Trouble PR. So we want to start there. Dirk and Toya, can you each please tell us about Good Trouble PR? Where did this idea come from? Um, what is it? And then we'll dive a little bit later. We'll di- dive into the goals and, and vision as well. But let's let's start start from the beginning. Yeah, so being in Minnesota, after the murder of George Floyd, we were in the epicenter of dealing with these questions around what our organization is supposed to do, what are schools supposed to do, what are communities supposed to do in regards to these acts of racial violence, and just living out the values that so many of us have shared around diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and justice, all those things that have somehow turned into trigger words, but at their heart are about honoring each person and their humanity and creating experiences tailored to them and their needs, knowing that we all walk through life with our own identities and cultures. And 
as part of this, we were wrestling in the Minnesota School Public Relations Association, also known as MINSPRA, with how do we support a really diverse membership that comes from all areas of the state, some that were really high Trump counties, some that are really high Biden counties, you know, um, in this time of really deep racial reckoning in our state that was impacting so many people in so many different ways. And we had had the fortune of having a group that had been started in Minnesota called Good Trouble Principles. It was different, but it was a group of school leaders who had decided they wanted to take action and move things forward with supporting school leaders of color and conversations around equity um, in schools across the state. And we said, this is such a great model for us. Uh, we want to do something similar but different. We know that in school communications, we hold the power of the pen. We give voice to communities. We tell the story of our districts. We navigate crises and work with news media. And so we have a lot of impact in how we share those stories and the, the work that we do. Um, and it came about the time where a, a video came out from the state education agency where we noticed um, it was all white people in the video. And like, there's small things like that where we can have influence. And there's big things like, how do we talk about the murder of George Floyd in our school districts? And I know that Toya had a lot of thoughts and um, was a big advocate for this in our Minnesota school PR chapter as well. So I, um, we have a, a DEI committee for our board of directors and Good Trouble PR is a um, subcommittee of our DEI committee. And so we wanted to be really intentional in talking about race and um, anti-racism efforts. And we wanted to help our members, no matter where they were, feel comfortable with talking about it, at least in conversation. It didn't necessarily mean that there would be actionable things that they could do based on you know their, um, their own belief system or perhaps the part of the state that they worked in and how supportive their superintendent or other leaders might be. So what we did is we looked for ways to create professional development opportunities to help people um, begin to have conversations or help each other have conversations or lead those conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And so we really started from the beginning with getting to know each other by writing racial autobiographies and then having conferences and then really launching, um, you know, what is good trouble? What does it mean? Where did it come from? And so we started with sort of educating our members um, in the work that we were trying to move forward. I think what Toya Razor is such an important part of this conversation too. And one of the most actionable things that any school PR professional can bring to this conversation is knowing yourself. We knew that we had to have a deep understanding of our, ourselves, our own racial identity, our own comfort in talking about these topics before we could address it as members and talk to other people. And that work around our racial autobiography, that work of really understanding what is it John Lewis was talking about when he said good necessary trouble was really foundational to this work of building out what became good trouble PR. And that's a key point. Just you have to know yourself and approach it with humility in order to be able to even have the conversation. Thank you for that. And tell me a little bit, and I think you both touched on it a little bit, but can we discuss some of your maybe short, mid and long term goals and sort of the, the higher vision for Good Trouble PR? So I'll start. I think for me, 
it's really important that we talk about the issues that are systemically baked into public education. It's just the system and that we look at how can we make changes in the system um, to for all students and for staff. So one of the things that we shared with the group when we first kicked off Good Trouble PR was that um, it's an African proverb and it says, until the story of the hunt is told by the lion, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter, right? And so we're looking to, um, in some ways, show people that there are multiple perspectives to everything and allow them the opportunity to um, look, think about things differently and look at things differently. And so, for example, one of the things that I've done is we we work with a video vendor, outside video vendor for our district. And so in some of the things that we've done, we've asked them to do voiceovers, but give us voiceovers of people who may be black or they might be Hmong or they might be indigenous so that we're not using the same voiceover actors who always get to do the voiceovers and videos. So it's things like that that are small, but they're big, right? And they can make an impact because if you, as a black boy or a Hmong girl here, see a video and you hear and you recognize the cadences and the rhythm of conversations, you know, that makes you maybe subconsciously think, hey, I can do that. Or that's someone that, you know, is like me, right? And I, I think about um, the photo where um, when President Barack Obama was in the White House and the little boy touched his hair, right? That's an image we've seen over and over again. And, you know, for him, it was like that guy that's in this big old office has hair like I do. You know what I mean? So it's something small, but it's really something big. I think Toya, again, just always sits nail on the head. I love working with her. But it is really um, the short-term goal became the long-term goal. Um, we were, again, in this, this George Floyd moment. What do we do? And we said, we need to get out a statement. Everybody's putting out statements. And so we were starting that work, uh, you know, in our equity committee of Minspra and this idea of Good Trouble PR and realized, we we don't want just a statement. We don't want to just have words that live out there and don't have any action behind them. And we we really paused. And that's where this kind of short-term goal of understanding yourself and being able to talk about race, for me to have comfort saying in a room of people who I may or may not know, I'm a white man. And I know that that brings different identities to it. I'm a gay man. And that brings different things to this that we really need to be considering, but that we prioritized discussing race because we re believe really deeply that that is a foundational experience for people and really affects how they walk through the world um, and how people treat them and how we treat each other and the services and activities we have access to, all of the things that we know, right? Um, and so our short-term goal began to develop around just understanding yourself, writing that racial autobiography, having courageous conversations, which we labeled ourselves as good trouble conversations and had some professional development around. And then midterm goals became around what is it that we want to do to embed this as a practice in our organization as school communicators so that we can empower school communicators across the state to do similar work in, a, in their districts in a way that works for them with a long-term goal of developing a statement that was really action-driven and more of a set of beliefs that we were committing to um, and actions we would take as a result of those beliefs rather than just a pretty six sentences we put on our website. 
And how, uh, since you all have been been doing this work and sort of beginning this journey, reflect to me what the impacts have been, um, even if it's just just as simple as what it's like for you to interact with other school PR folks um, from from across your state. So what have been some, some impacts and some results that you've seen so far? I'd say one of the things is people are, on one hand, thankful and appreciative of the efforts. You know, we we started out when we kicked this off, we started out talking about Congressman, Georgia Congressman John Lewis, who has since passed away. And his motto in life was, you know, get in trouble, you know, good and necessary trouble. And, um, you know, that was sort of what the good trouble principle did, but we really liked it and we adopted that. And so um, we thought that it was a, a call for communicators to sort of use their skills and their influence in any way they could to get into good and necessary trouble, right? So if that's changing the language around, um, you know, because we're communicators, so we're writing in speeches and making videos and writing talking points. If that's thinking about how you use the language to identify a situation that's happening in your school district and why, um, that was one of the things that we wanted to happen. We also... Um, so people said, thank you, right? They said, this is great. We love this. But we have also heard from people who say, you know, you're too focused on DEI. Give us a counter uh, perspective on this. You know, and we've talked about it as a board because it's we've gotten some of those messages anonymously so we can't address them like and have a conversation and invite them to share more because it's an anonymous email or comments we've gotten in surveys. Um, so I think overall in the conferences that we've planned, and the professional development, we really made an effort to make sure that we have um, diverse perspectives and diverse cultures um, represented in the workshops that we're doing and that we're offering. And, um, you know, again, I think it's well received by some, but not by everybody. And we respect that. We just, you know, it's, you know, as I told, you know, members of our spring um, conference committee, you know, it's going to be hard to find someone to come with and publicly stand up and say, here's why I don't think we should do DEI. They sort of feel like the whole board is so focused on it and that we're, we have a one track mind. And so, you know, we don't want people to feel that way, but we don't know how to change the, the narrative if they're not addressing it publicly in a way where we can begin a dialogue with them. One of the things I found really powerful out of this work is that we're having those conversations now. People are saying, I think we're too focused on DEI um, and they're doing it anonymously, but they're at least talking about it. But even more than that, we're having honest conversations with ourselves, our members in coffee chats or at conferences or in board meetings are saying, I had this situation and I really messed up. We were sending information out about our strategic plan and we didn't even translate it. And people are honest about that so that others can learn from that mistake and say, oh, my gosh, we have that coming out Friday. I better get on that. Um, and people are also just being really honest of saying, hey, the way you talked about that for me as a black woman felt this way. And people are receiving that or other things. And I think it's created an atmosphere um, where we can have conversations that push us toward the action that we all know is important at the heart of this, um, which is how this all, all was born. And I would say the other big change we've seen in Minspra is that our work has begun to permeate all aspects of the organization. That idea of it's 
you're too focused on this. Um, to us as a compliment, we think really critically in our conference planning. Who are the speakers? What are they bringing? How is equity infused throughout this? Not an add-on presentation, but really foundational to each part of everything we do. And I think that we're seeing school communicators do that in their districts in the way that they're able. And again, coming back to that conversation piece, when they aren't able, they're saying that. I support this personally, but given the context of my district right now, we can't go that far. But at least naming that, they have a reason behind why they're doing it and they're keeping it top of mind. And in the ways that they can, maybe for the first time, they're putting a student uh, who has a different racial identity in a, a newsletter to be featured in a photo. And that's as far as they can go right now, is it's not all white kids in the photo for once, but they know why they're doing it and they have a purpose and they're committed to the work. And I think that's been really powerful to see. And you all definitely both touched on this, but I do want to ask the, the question directly. So uh, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion has become um, a, a big a big topic over the last few years. And typically school PR folks try not to generate controversy wherever we go. We're, we're here to mitigate controversy. So kind of walk us through how you guys are, are navigating this as the, the hot and and I say political topic because that's kind of what it's become, though obviously at its root, um, it, it's 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 much deeper than that. But um, talk to me a little bit more about how you guys are navigating that. I think at its heart, we want to be brave but not stupid. Uh, you know, you can only do this work and go so far if you're bringing people along with you. And one of our members once said it best. You know. We need to bring people along at a pace that pushes them out of their comfort, but not so far that they get flung off a cliff. Uh, and I think that is really what we are trying to do. Um, you know, in some spaces you can talk about DEI and name those things and it'll be really safe and you can have honest conversations. And some, you're just gonna have to talk about treating people the way you wanna be treated, right? And that is contextual and you have to make it work for you. Um, and I think that we have been really intentional in that in every piece of Good Trouble PR. One of the most foundational parts of our work is the statement we created. We had visions of this really big, bold statement. We're going to be anti-racist and be willing to put our job on the line when it mattered and all of these things. And we got a really representative group of writers together when we created the statement, knowing that they bring different perspectives, that they represent different communities, that we have a really diverse um population here in Minnesota. And this idea of a statement at a 10 went down to a six. And I'd say probably is more like a four at the end of the day, but it's still really bold and pushes us out of our comfort zone. And it makes some real commitments that we also, again, being brave, not stupid, didn't make each member sign, but signed it as the MINSPRA organization and asked people to adopt it into their own work. So I think, you know, what we're saying is no matter sort of where you sit in this work, you experience discomfort in some way, right? Life is filled with discomfort, whatever it might be. Um, and so we we push each other when we can, but we also know that some people don't want to be pushed. They want to stay there and that's okay too. So part of that is just accepting where people are and doing it gracefully and, you know, sharing information with them, whether it's through conversation or suggestions or in um, the professional development that we offer our members, um, something for them to consider, something for them to, you know, um, take with them. For example, at our last conference, we had our Department of Education come in and talk about, they created an equity magnifier. 
and it's a list of, I think, 10 questions. I don't have it in front of me right now, but they, um, here are ways that you can, you know, magnify, look at equity, right? And what are you doing? And there are other things that you can do. And so sometimes it's just giving people information for them to use if and when they're ready. Um, and, and certainly, you know, to Dirk's point, we're not trying to ask people to sacrifice their livelihood or get their superintendent or, you know, other folks in their district in trouble by sort of being, you know, so determined to make equity the center of everything they do. But we, I think there's a fundamental agreement that it really does matter that we normalize talking about race and we allow space and opportunity to talk about race and to talk about discomforts and challenges. And we've had, you know, very honest conversations on our board where some people have said, you know, we're not where you are, Toya. Um, don't know that we'll ever be there, but I'm glad that, you know, we're glad that we can have this dialogue and understand each other. And so I think that's what's important is because at the core of it, it's humanity, right? It's trying to create a better school system or school systems for the people that we serve. Well put. Thank you guys both so much for, for sharing that insight. And, and to our audience, we're just getting this conversation started. So after the break, we want to discuss how school PR practitioners everywhere can be a part of starting some good trouble in their own school systems. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. Final Sight, now home to Blackboard K-12, is the preferred website and digital communications provider of more than 5,000 school districts across the country. We make it easy for schools and districts to transform community engagement, recruit staff, and strengthen their online presence while managing the complex requirements around data privacy, accessibility, hosting, and security. With scalable solutions to meet every district's unique needs, 24-7 support, in-house accessibility specialists, and tactical website deployments, FinalSight is equipped to help districts of all sizes launch and maintain websites that improve communications outcomes. FinalSight is proud to partner with North Carolina Schools. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. So say in partnership with your school leadership team, um, the folks who are listening want to start some good trouble in their school system and help, of course, improve outcomes for all the students that they serve. So so taking it um, and, and breaking this down just, just a little bit into some action steps uh, for, for folks listening, how do, how do we get started? What are the first steps? I think a lot of times people want a checklist do this, 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 and then you'll be good. And then you've checked the equity boxes and you've advanced things and made things better for people. I would say really to get started, you have to do introspection. You have to think about yourself. When was the first time you consciously thought about race? What was the context of that? How has your race played into your experiences in life? This is that work we were talking around, a, a racial autobiography, but it really helps you to begin to process how do I think about the world? How do I enter spaces? What might be some of my blind spots? Because when you begin to understand those things, you can hold yourself accountable and ask others to hold you accountable so that you can begin the actionable work then of making real change in your system. I think that that understanding yourself piece is so crucial to this. And I would encourage everyone to write an, a racial autobiography. And we have some tools and tips we could send over if people are interested, but that is a really foundational piece, I think, for the work. The other thing that I would um, 
recommend is, you know, and these are easy things. They're not really hard, but when you are out taking photos, who's in the photos? And when you run those photos, what stories do they accompany? You know, if you're promoting um, free school meals, who who's represented in that photo, right? So look at, look at the images that you're using. Um, look at the opportunities that are presented to some students and not to others. And raise that conversation, you know, with your, um, with your your colleagues. You know, I in another district that I worked in, we were working on a strategic plan, and they said, um, you pro you've probably heard this, maybe not, but there are a lot of Native Americans in Minnesota. But statistically, when you're putting together data points for things, they often say we can include this data because the number of Native Americans is so low that you could identify who it is. If you say, you know, there are 20 Native American students and five of them won't graduate. Well, if you know the 20 students, you might know the five who are not gonna graduate. But, you know, I maintain that, you know, as a Native woman who's also Native American, um, we've been erased for a long time. So stop erasing us in your data. You know, say the data's there and explain the reasons why maybe you can't give the, the data statistically but don't leave Native American people out of the narrative. So things like that, you can push in conversations, right? You can talk about whose stories do we always tell? How do we tell other stories? How do we, you know, are we translating um, everything that goes out in, you know, for the communities that need translations? If we're translating, are we sending the translations out at the same time as the English version? You know, so I mean, I think there are practic practical things you know, that you could do that help push it forward. And it's not always, always talking about race. It's actually just doing some of the work and not, you don't even have to say what you're doing. You know, it, for communications people, it's language choices. You know, is it a riot? Is it a protest? Is it an insurrection? Let's call it what it is, a student walkout, right? But sometimes that language gets mixed in depending on the location of the school. I think part of this too is um, the work that we've done in Minspra to have some commitments and you need to know what your personal commitments are to this work, what you're willing to, to do, what you're willing to not do. And then just use that knowledge to think about your organizational commitments. What are the commitments of your school district? I'm gonna read the commitments out of our statement because I just think they're really powerful and helpful to this conversation. And also acknowledge not every person or every school district is going to be able to go this far in their commitments, but be able to think about it, be able to question it, be able to say why or why not. So in our Good Trouble work, we um, said we're going to support Good Trouble and our roles as school communicators by naming white privilege and decentering whiteness, by speaking truth to power, by sharing the stories of diverse communities. And on that one, I just want to say to Toya's point, are you talking about free and reduced lunch? Is that the only time diverse communities show up? Is it the exception of a student who got the scholarship and happens to be a student of color? Know why you're telling those stories and be able to do that. So share the stories of diverse communities. Use our agenda setting power to propel anti-racism. So often as school communicators, we have a seat at the table when decisions are being made. So often we don't, as we all know, uh, but we do have the power to, set the agenda in some way and it's how we do that and then raising our individual and collective racial consciousness again how 
individually and as groups are we thinking about talking about isolating naming race and all that goes along with that wonderfully put and uh, kind of as you all were, were talking it kind of leads to my next question how can we uh, as communicators um build relationships and and how and and who should we build those relationships with in order to roll out this work in a meaningful and non-controversial way so one of the things that i used to do when i was a journalist um when i would go visit classrooms sometimes you would set up a story with the teacher and you'd say hey i'd like to talk to three kids who do you think will talk to me while i'm taking notes i'm a stranger i'm coming into the classroom and I often noticed that the same kind of kid was always picked, right? Always selected. And it wasn't always a diverse group of students. Um, I think we can do the same thing as school communications people when we're talking with teachers or people who are in the classroom or people who are in the schools. You know, look for other types of kids to interview and maybe give them different criteria on who you want to talk to. And so we've done some of that work in our district by um, we have done a video series that captures student voice and we've shared that with um, it's been it was an internal PD tool but we talked to real students and got real feelings and real thoughts and ideas from them and shared that through professional development so that's also getting in good trouble but it was also doing teacher PD right Um, that may have been helpful to some and maybe not so helpful to others. When it comes to building relationships too, I think it sounds so basic, but it is so fundamental of just being in community with people. Um, you know, so often I think what happens is people are like, oh, I want to know how we should do this, but I'm not sure about the right words. Toya, should I call you Native American or Indigenous or American Indian? And I don't know, and I'm not going to say because I don't want to get it wrong. But if we take the time to get to know each other. If I develop a relationship with Toya as an individual, then I can say it and be comfortable getting it wrong and she can call me out or I can feel comfortable saying, Toya, how is it that you prefer to be identified? And I think those are the relationships that we need to develop in our our school communities as well. How are you interacting with your local NAACP? How are you interacting with your local uh, church community group? And how are you building relationships across those communities, between those communities? Who are the people you're spending time with when you vet communications ideas? Do you have an advisory committee of families, of external stakeholders, of other people to give you insights that you bring together on a regular basis? I think when we think about who we need to be building relationships with, it's everyone. Um, And how we do that is just being vulnerable and authentic and honest and real with each other, rather than worrying about saying the wrong word but being willing to show up with grace and get it wrong and be okay being told we got it wrong. Derek, I'd also like to add to that. I also think it's being present and being in community because if you parachute in and out, when you have a diversity question or you need someone, you know what I mean? You really have to be present and and be in the communities that you're um, engaging with, right? And not just dropping in. And so that's a lot of work though. That's a lot of time. And when you have... um, school leaders and the superintendent and communications people who are always really busy, it takes time. But people appreciate when you do that and when you are authentic and genuine and when you say to them, 
you know, I'm really busy and I know you're really busy and I can only come to your classroom twice this year, but I'm going to be there two times. Right. And I'll come see you again next year, but they know that there's sort of a vested interest. And so that's one of the things I often tell people on, you know, the boards that I'm in when they're talking about DEI and how do we, you know, grow our audience in this area. You know, you have to be in community. You can't just show up or throw money at it and walk away and not come back until you need someone again. And that's hard to do, you know, with limited resources, limited time, limited money. It, it is hard to do, but if you do it and you do it well, then you see different outcomes than you may have seen previously. Wonderfully stated. And as we uh, wrap up this half of the uh, podcast, I do want to ask each of you to uh, provide some some guidance and maybe a little bit of a reflection on how how can people who are curious about uh, this work, how do they navigate inevitably the, the naysayers that they are going to encounter? Um, and obviously, depending on where you live and, and uh, kind of the makeup of your area, your state, it can look a little bit different. But Overall, what is some uh, guidance, some advice that you can provide us? I think one of the first things is to Toya's point of being in community is to know your community and not give them an opening to start with. If you know saying equity is going to just send everybody over the roof, don't say equity. You know, there are ways to talk about the work and what it means and giving opportunities to each student, making sure that there aren't predictable outcomes for students based on certain traits. I think that those things are things we need to be cognizant of. Um, but inevitably, even when you do your best proactive work, you'll find yourself reactive at times. We all know that as school PR people, right? Um, and I think it is taking those same steps, listening, hearing it out, and being willing to put it aside once it's done. Um, and not letting a few loud voices dominate the conversation, because for however many people are speaking out loudly, you have so many people who are watching what you do in that situation and how you respond and know that their lived experience is just as valuable, even if they're not as loud. You know, I think that um, everybody, a lot of people just want to be respected and they want to be heard. And I'm a big proponent of respecting people's opinions and agreeing that, you know, we might have different different views or perspectives on things. And so, you know, to the point I raised earlier, the person who most recently wrote the anonymous email about the work that the Men's for Board is doing, I would love to engage with them, but I don't know how to reach them. So then I thought about, well, should I just write a letter in the president? I'm the president of the organization as the president's newsletter. Should I address it in that way? And is that poking the bear? And initially I was like fired up and I wanted to come at and just put it out there as an email to everybody and whoever wrote this call me, you know, let's talk. But I just decided to back off on that and, you know, um, respectfully disengage from that conversation because if they really wanted to have that conversation, they wouldn't have used an anonymous email that they created just to send the message to the board. So I think um, these sorts of conversations, um, you have to be courageous you have to sort of, you know, stand on your convictions, but also know when to respectfully disengage from the conversation or offer to, you know, meet for coffee and learn some things together and share views. I know that that happened a lot um, during the last presidential election where people on both sides of the aisle got together, like voters, and talked about their differences and found out that there were a lot of things that they had alike, even though their politics were different. And sometimes it's just getting an understanding. 
so that you can coexist and maybe work together. Wonderfully said, and we will end the conversation with that. And a note to the audience that we will leave the important links that we mentioned in the show notes. Dirk Tedman, Executive Director of Marketing and Communications for Eden Prairie Schools, and Toya Stewart-Downey, Executive Director of Strategic Communications, Equity, and Inclusion from Robbinsdale Area Schools. Thank you for your time today. Thanks to Final Sight for their support of School PR Drive Time.